And now it's time for Dave's Disney View Podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle Tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all. But he understands its place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. So come along and take a listen to Dave's thoughts about the Walt Disney World Resorts and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, today's podcast is really about Disney news and some of the goings-on that are going on. I know for the last couple of podcasts, I've been talking about my magic and some of the things that are happening there. So this podcast is really about some of the other things that are happening around the Disney company and specifically Walt Disney World, though my magic may make its way back into the discussion. Just hang on for that. So we start off with talking about a little story that came out. There was a uh, child that went on the Make-A-Wish program. And, you know, the Make-A-Wish program is a really nice program. They uh, offer the opportunity for kids with um, very special ailments and uh, needs to take a trip to Walt Disney World. Uh, And they'll have them there for a few days, up to a week, uh, being able to take advantage of all of the amenities and things that Disney has to offer. And it's a really nice thing because these kids really uh, typically are terminally ill, and it's really something special that the parents can remember, and uh, the kid, the child gets a chance to really just enjoy it. So... You know, there was a child that got to go there, and there was an incident that happened that was really worth mentioning, and it was really kind of strange. So the the family was there, and they'd been there for four or five days already, and it was the last night. And they were in the Magic Kingdom, and there was a uh, not-so-scary Halloween party that was happening that evening. So to regular guests, the park closes at 7 o'clock. So the story goes that the mother wanted to go into the Emporium at about 7.15 and start shopping. Well, as I mentioned, the park closes to regular guests at about 7 p.m. So here it was, it was already past that time, and the mother was trying to go in and start shopping in the Emporium. And the cast members politely told her no, she wasn't allowed in because it was already time for her to leave. And she started making a stink, a fuss about it, because she wanted to go into the, go into the Emporium and buy some additional souvenirs to remember this trip by because her son was a Make-A-Wish child. And the cast member continued to say, I'm sorry, ma'am, you know, it's after 7 o'clock, and those, that's the rules. So she made enough of a fuss that the supervisor came out and the supervisor supported the position that it was 7.15 and, you know, sorry, we, we can't accommodate you. And she decided to make a big stink about it and make a, make a big fuss and say that it destroyed her entire trip. She'd been there for four days already and she was, she was starting to get upset that it, was, that it was destroying her trip and, you know, she'd have all these horrible memories of everything. And, and, she, wound up, um, filing, uh, and she wound up filing a complaint against Disney and she wound up... Uh, you know, writing a letter and saying basically that she that she was really upset and it ruined her trip and all of these other things. And I just have to say that, you know, I think Disney was right here. You know, the rules are the rules. And yeah, maybe they could have acquiesced a little bit and, you know, let her purchase something she wanted to. But I think the reality was that she wanted to spend her time and actually do some large-scale shopping. She wanted to go in there and, you know, spend more than five minutes and, you know, pick out more than one thing to be able to uh, to take home. So, it, it's likely that she would have been there for half an hour, 45 minutes, something like that. And now you're, you know, you're taking away from the other activities. It's well posted that you have to leave at 7. And, you know, if she'd have been polite and just said, well, I really just want to get a T-shirt, 
they probably would have acquiesced and let her do that. But uh, that's not the way she reacted. She reacted immediately saying, oh, no, you guys are just awful. It's not really fair, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, the reality is she was there on a special trip for her, her child. And, you know, you got to take that. And you got to enjoy it, and you can't spoil it yourself and just make such a big deal out of it that it really doesn't work out, and you, you know you feel kind of bad about the whole thing. Uh, you know, now the child potentially has a memory that's not so good. She has a memory that's not so good, and this was supposed to be a really happy event. And I feel kind of bad about the whole thing. It just feels very awkward. And Disney at this point hasn't said very much. They're trying to figure out what they can do to make it right because that's the way Disney does things. But you know, she was in the wrong. I think that's just my opinion about it, and I'll stick by that. On a wholly unrelated note, there was a uh, small story that was happening that uh, Disney has been testing out electric buses. So they have some uh, company that they're dealing with who's building them uh, small-scale electric buses to uh, be able to run on various routes. So it's been reported that some of these buses have been painted with Disney stripes and are being tested out uh, outside of Disney World, where they're, uh, they're actually being tested at uh, test proving grounds and things like that. And there may have been one or two running around the Disney property. Now, they weren't picking up guests, but they were doing some different uh, fleet service, just moving around and, uh, and running through the, uh, the property, just to try to get a feel of whether they would work and how well they would work out and those types of things. So maybe Disney is thinking ahead and starting to think about electric buses, and these would be smaller buses, actually, and they would probably run more of them around the routes in that case so that they would have enough buses going. But if they're, um, if they're more small passenger-like instead of large passenger-like, it would make a lot of sense to run electric buses, and they could probably run them for longer during the day and uh, have them moving around a little more. And perhaps they'd modify the routes a little bit to make it a little bit more effective. I don't know, but it was an interesting thing that I saw, and I want to know more about that. Disney has no comment at this point about what they're going to do, but uh, I'll be interested to see how this kind of works out because I really, you know, I'm kind of wondering what Disney is doing because they're running all these very uh, large diesel buses still that are older municipal buses that they purchased and put into service. So I'm kind of curious where they go with this because I think they really do need to change their fleet and update it. As I understand it, their buses do spend a lot of time in maintenance as they go throughout their uh, life cycle. Well, Fairytale Hall is finally opened at the Magic Kingdom. It's the uh, latest place to meet and greet with the Disney princesses. And according to the Disney press release, the, uh, it goes like this. Fit for royalty, happily ever after dreams come true at the Princess Fairytale Hall. Latest jewel in the new Fantasyland expansion at Walt Disney World. Past the intricate tiara that graces the attraction's entryway, guests will feel the anticipation of being in the presence of Disney's nobility and becoming immersed in their world. With its brightly colored tournament tent facade, Princess Fairytale Hall is located in the castle courtyard in the center of Fantasyland and is the latest opening in New Fantasyland. As loyal subjects to the princesses, guests can choose between two queues, one for Cinderella and a visiting princess, or one for Rapunzel and a visiting princess. The castle-like entrance to Princess Fairytale Hall features walls of stone and stained glass windows with images from the Disney animated films uh, Cinderella. The entryway opens to the large royal gallery, an airy space with stone columns and a high ceiling with wooden beams and peaked arches. Framed portraits of Disney princesses adorn the walls. It's the ideal royal setting for the coming face-to-face -face with Disney princesses as, as the timeless tales come to life. When it's time for the big moment, guests are ushered into the royal chambers, richly paneled in wood and elegantly finished. Cinderella in one reception room and Rapunzel in the other are each joined by one other Disney princess. Royal visitors might include Aurora, Snow White, Tiana, Jasmine, or Mulan. Whoever from the royal court steps by to meet or greet loyal subjects, it's, it's a royal scene for making magical memories. Each chamber features a large frame painting of a fairy tale landscape and a table with a set of bound leather storybooks that bear the titles of the fairy tales in the language of the original tale. 
Rose vases are located at the far side of each reception room, and the wallpaper decorated with crowns and other royal imagery completes the scene. So you can go by and check that out. It's in the location where uh, Snow White's scary adventure used to be. It's right behind Cinderella's castle and near the royal carousel, so you can't miss it. Now, I expect that this will evolve a little bit over time so that the uh, princess offerings are different. I understand that they want to have a meet and greet with Rapunzel over in the Rapunzel area, but for the short term at least, she's in the Princess Fairy Tale Hall, so you'll find her there. And that means that uh, the princesses have moved from the Exposition Hall uh, up at the front of the Magic Kingdom to uh, the Princess Fairy Tale Hall. Now, who is still at the uh, Exposition Hall and in the town square? Well, that'd be Mickey, of course, and Mickey is now a full time talking Mickey. So you can go in and meet and greet with Mickey, and Mickey will actually talk back to you. Uh, Mickey's mouth moves, and he will actually interact as you're, as you're going through your experience with him. Now, I think this is a really cool piece of technology. Now, I know that they haven't implemented it fully yet, but I do understand that he's also able to interact with you based on information that's on your magic band. So your name is on your magic band, so he's able to talk to you by name, which I think is a really cool idea. And I think there's a lot of interesting and intriguing opportunities there. It's just really cool that Mickey can talk back to you, and it's a really cool innovation, or as Disney might call it, an innovation, that you can, uh, you can enjoy. I had to make one comment about the limited time magic and one of the recent entries that Disney put out there. If you happen to be on the Disney Parks blog site, and you went in and you happen to see that they had uh, offered up some experiences, some behind-the-scenes experiences, and you registered on that same day for that particular experience to be able to, in a, to be entered into a drawing and you were drawn to by 5 p.m. that day to actually win it, then you could win some backstage experience. You got to go around the Animal Kingdom and go behind the scenes, or you got to go into the, uh, the castle suite uh, and be able to experience it with an Imagineer, and they'd explain to you how they did everything. And that's really great, and it's, it's some nice limited-time magic, and I thought the concept was really great. But think about the execution. I think it was kind of flawed here, because... The winners had to go like the next day or the day after. So you had to go to the Disney Parks blog website and know to go there on the days that they were having it open. You had to actually register that same day on the same site and you would win and then be, have to go in the next day to take advantage of that experience. So who did that limit it to? It limited the magic to simply people who would be living in the area or who happened to be staying on Disney property and going to the parks who happened to notice this on the site and, and were able to register for it. What a strange sort of thing it was, and I think they took like a total of 20 people, and it was just the only the person who won, not that person and a guest, uh, and it was just sort of odd and awkward, and I, I read it and I was like, what? It was kind of a weird limited time magic. It was very limited indeed, and while the experiences may have been great, I don't understand why they didn't like open it up a little bit more or have it go on for a couple of days and you know have a, have a date that you would come back. Um, maybe you have one that day and then you have one, you know, a week from then or something, you know, so you give people time to adjust to it or, you know, want to take advantage of it. It was just very, very strange. And, um, you know, I didn't even notice it until like 4.30 on one of the last days that they were offering. I think it was the Animal Kingdom one behind the scenes. And I noticed it and I went, oh, I should register for that. By the time I got around to registering, it was off after five. And I'm like, well, where do I register? Because it was, it still had the information there and said register below. And there was no link. They had taken away the link. Just very oddly worked and managed and I just thought it was kind of strange and I wanted to comment on it because it was just unusual. The whole limited time magic has been sort of an oddity, uh, odd sequence and grouping of different events and things that they have, some of which were actually pretty good but should have been offered anyway, and some of which are just sort of these weird offerings that are kind of one-off that nobody can take advantage of. So it's really truly limited. 
there's this kind of fun way of looking at uh, the way the holidays work around uh, the world, actually, and I'm not just talking about Disney World, and they call it holiday creep. And that's the fact that the we enjoy the holidays so much that they keep trying to expand the holidays out a little bit longer and a little bit longer and a little bit further, so it's not just that, uh, that one or so month period kind of between Thanksgiving and the end of the year that we call the holidays, but they try to extend it out as much as they can. And Disney is really no exception. Typically, Disney would, around the weekend of Thanksgiving, you'd start to see the decorations pop up around the Walt Disney Parks. Over the last few years, it's kind of extended out a little bit further um, beyond Thanksgiving. You've started to see some of the decorations coming up, and uh, you just started to see more things happening around the parks. Well, this year, they decided that as soon as the Halloween decorations came down, uh, so that would have been like November 1st or 2nd, it was time to put the holiday decorations up. So the holiday decorations went up almost immediately in November. So around the 5th of November, you were fully decorated around the Walt Disney World Resort. And I just find that really amazing and mystifying to me because you were a whole month earlier than you used to be. And, of course, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party started in about mid-November this year, which is kind of strange because you're thinking about a uh, Christmas party before uh, you even get to, to Thanksgiving. But I guess that's the way Disney has chosen to do it as a way to uh, expand the magic a little bit and make the holidays a little bit more uh, interesting and give more people access to it because people love it when the park is decorated for the holidays. So I think that's really kind of cool that, uh, that it's that way, but on the other hand, it's, uh, it's kind of creepy to me in that Christmas creep sort of way that they've come up with something where it's, uh, it's actually Christmas time uh, a lot earlier. Now, one of the big things that Disney draws on is the idea of this candlelight processional. The candlelight processional is something that happens over at Epcot and the America Gardens Theater. And some people plan their trips around it. Now, while I do love the holiday, I'm just not much into the, into the religious aspect of it, so I'm not a huge fan of it. But I know a lot of people are, and I wanted to make sure that I uh, gave you as much information about it as I could. Um, every year, there's a mass choir joined by over a 50-piece live orchestra and a celebrity narrator who tells the story of Christmas. I'll put a link to a YouTube video so you can see it. It's, it's really something spectacular. It's just not something that I'm particularly interested in myself. This year, the candlelight processional will happen uh, between Thanksgiving and uh, the end of the year, uh, much as it always has. Uh, and the narrators that they're going to have are um, Gary Sinise, Neil Patrick Harris, Ashley Judd, Whoopi Goldberg, Sigourney Weaver, Dennis Haysbert, James Denton, Edward James Olmos, Tracy Adkins, Stephen uh, Curtis Chapman, Blair Underwood, and Amy Grant. Each of them is there for about three days, so you can check the schedule at uh, WaltDisneyWorld.com, or I'll put a link in my show notes page so you can see exactly when these people are going to be there, because the performers do change from time to time. But as you go through, if you're interested in seeing it with one of these performers, it really can be an inspirational thing, as I understand it. Now, they do also offer a candlelight processional dining package that ensures that you can see it, uh, and I imagine that probably next year they'll start with FastPass Plus to make sure that people can see it who are coming into town specifically to see that. So the Candlelight Processional Dining Package allows you to enjoy a meal at one of Epcot's restaurants while guaranteeing you a seat for the show and a special viewing area for illuminations. It's important to note that at times this is the only way to get a seat. Those who with the dinner packages are the first to be seated. Those waiting in lines or the standby lines or who didn't buy the package will be given the very few seats that remain. Go to the, uh, the Disney website to uh, book the Candlelight processional dining package or call 407-WDW-DINE if you're interested in it. This is something that you know a lot of people really have take a strong interest in and since we're far enough from the holidays I wanted to make sure I pointed it out to you so you have an opportunity to see it if you want to. Now you may have noticed in there you may have caught that I said you know there's a good likelihood that in the future my magic plus will be a part of this or fast pass plus will be a part of this as well. So when you go and you want to take advantage of this experience I believe that one of the things they'll be offering is a fast pass plus opportunity to go and see it. 
Now, I don't hear, I haven't heard that they're going to be doing it this year. I, th- I think it was the uh, whole My Magic rollout has been a little bit slower than they've expected, and they haven't been able to roll it out completely. There's a story that's a companion story to this that the My Magic Plus experience is being delayed a little bit. They've, they currently have it for all of the um, deluxe resorts and the D- Disney vacation properties and a few of the other resorts at times, but that's it. It's not available at all the resorts and it's not available to guests who are not staying on Disney property. So the rollout of the, uh, the project is on hold at the moment. They don't have a timeline yet for exactly when they're going to get it out there. Senior Walt Disney Company executives once said that they wanted to have My Magic Plus largely rolled out uh, by the end of the company's 2013 fiscal year, but that fiscal year ended in September. So right now they're still in a testing phase for the most part. From the outset, our My Magic Plus development has been focused on enhancing the experience our guests have with us. Our rollout schedule is designed to be flexible so we can make adjustments based on testing and guest feedback. We're happy with the progress we're making, and My Magic Plus is now available to all Walt Disney World Hotel guests. And that's from Walt Disney Parks and Resorts Chairman Tom Staggs. Staggs added that Disney has been making modifications based on feedback it's receiving from guests during testing. Once we're satisfied with those adjustments, we'll continue to broaden the availability to our theme park to our other theme park guests. My Magic Plus has been in development for over five years. Disney has been incurring significant costs with the project. One month after announcing My Magic, uh, Walt Disney's uh, chairman and CEO Bob Iger said it will be rolled out over the next several months. Chief Financial Officer Jay Rizzullo expanded on Iger's comments in May, telling the analysts at a New York conference that by the end of this fiscal year, we're going to make it feel like it's rolled out, though he said Disney would continue to add elements over time. But they began to push that target back over the summer, Iger told analysts in August, that the project was designed for a probable full rollout in the early part of 2014, and they've since stopped offering any specific timeframes. During Disney's year-end earnings call this, uh, this month, Rosillo said My Magic Plus was still very much in the early days of the rollout. Disney would not discuss the delay in any detail, but in discussions with analysts, executives have characterized the project as exceedingly complex and repeatedly said they intend to make sure all kinks were ironed out before beginning such a wide-scale launch. We're walking before we run so that when you come down to use the service, you're going to feel really good about how it works and not experiencing glitches, which is our business and not the guest business, Rosillo said in September. In addition to taking longer than expected, some analysts suspect the price tag of My Magic Plus has climbed. Doug Mitchelson, the media industry analyst with Deutsche Bank, uh, said he initially projected the spending to be about $800 million, but clearly they would have be north of a billion at this point in time. Still, Mitchelson said he remains optimistic that My Magic Plus ultimately will drive double-digit returns in Disney's management as predicted. And he said Disney will be wise in, to wait until management is absolutely sure the system is, will work as promised. This is obviously one of those projects you can't afford to get wrong, not even once. Disney's brand is so crucial, they have one good shot at introducing this to the marketplace. Disney once said that it expected those projects would cumulatively be more profitable during its 2014 fiscal year than they were in 2013. But during its year-end earnings call, the company changed that forecast, saying growth initiatives would generate about $300 million in expenses during the current year and more or less the same amount in revenue. Asked what has changed, Rizzullo uh, cited My Magic Plus costs, noting that the information technology infrastructure Disney World has installed as part of the project depreciates more quickly than conventional attractions. Reportedly, the collective feeling is trepidation. Some fans have been especially vocal about the fears that My Magic Plus will sap the spontaneity from their visits by forcing more planning. Now, of course, these fears won't be truly addressed until the project launches and is used by all guests. There's so many variables that the actual implementation could uh, take into account. 
So that's the uh, the story. It looks like it won't be fully rolled out until sometime next year. I, I know Disney had, has a lot of kinks, and I know that they're not happy with the way it's working. And I don't feel, I don't think that they're getting the return on the investment that they expected at this point, just given that it's been uh, rolled out primarily to DVC and uh, uh, and to uh, deluxe resorts. Now, that, that's not to say that it's not available at other resorts. It's just not 100% of everybody that's getting it at this point. Now, kind of on that note, you may have noticed, I may have, I've mentioned before, that uh, the, the cast members who are standing at the gate are using uh, iPhones or iPod Touches to, uh, to look at who's coming into the parks. And the cast members who are one row behind them, who are like the leads, have iPads in their hands. And that's because of a deal with Apple. Apple is heavily engaged with Disney and uh, they do a lot of different work for them uh, around the parks, and they do a lot of things with the technology that you see around the parks. That's a big um, corporate sponsorship that they have. And um, it's interesting. This is kind of a side note to this, but about the time that uh, My Magic started to roll out, Apple TV suddenly was able to get all of the Disney content. Before that, iTunes and Apple TV didn't really have very much Disney content. It was still mainly limited to other uh, sources. But as soon as this, uh, this agreement was worked out and they started to uh, roll out My Magic and they were using iPads and iPhones and so forth, amazingly, all of the Disney content was available on the uh, Apple TV, including the Disney Channel and Disney XD and most of the Disney movies. Um, you may have found in the past that Disney movies weren't always available in iTunes, but now you'll see that they are starting to come into there, uh, depending on what their licensing is with other uh, companies, but they will be coming out there and you'll see most of the Disney movies available. And I always find that interesting how corporate sponsorships and partnerships work out that way that you get fringe benefits that you didn't anticipate. Now, on a related note to the, the whole thing that's happening with My Magic Plus, Sid Kawangas, uh, which is a store that's in the Disney's Hollywood Studios, it's at the entrance. If you're going in, it's immediately on your left, and it looks like an old shack that's sitting there. Um, Sid Kawangas has closed, and it's going to be a My Magic Plus service center. Sid Kawangas is one of those things that's just kind of an interesting uh, place. It's kind of a curio shop. They sold uh, memorabilia and different things that are related to uh, the movies and movie memorabilia and stuff. And there was a big backstory that the Imagineers had created that Sid Kawanga relocated from California to here. He had a successful shop in Hollywood, and he, he relocated it. And while it's a great story and everyone seems to know it, the story isn't exactly true. Um, Sid Kawanga was a made-up character that Disney Imagineers created, and they actually found someone to play Sid. And he played Sid in the, uh, in the studios for about uh, 15 years or so from the time the studio opened until um, about 2005-ish. And uh, he was Sid Kawenga. And if you were to go into the shop before it closed, there's a picture of him on the wall, and it's signed to you know it's signed and it's it's up there. And that person used to play Sid in the in the parks and would go around and tell you stories about you know how he moved the shop and why it's a curio shop. And it's one of those things that I think you know Disney spent a lot of time thinking through. It's a throwaway thing if you think about it. It's just a shop at the end of this of the street there at the end of Hollywood Boulevard. But it's a really interesting shop. It was really different because they sold movie memorabilia and they had created a backstory to go along with it. And the, there was a person associated with it. And it was really kind of interesting and fascinating. It, it added to the richness and the texture of the uh, Hollywood studios at the time, the Disney MGM studios. And it's one of those things that when they take it out, it's missed because now you've lost part of that backstory and the, the storyline kind of becomes disjointed and you're missing something that really made that place special. Uh, I, I think it's it's kind of sad that they're taking it out and they're putting a My Magic Plus service center in there. It, it's not what I hope they would do with it, with that piece of property, but it does show that Disney has a different mindset on what they're doing with their um, backstories and how they're trying to generate more revenue for themselves and make sure that the, get, the guests are satisfied with the experience they're getting with My Magic Plus. 
So I guess, you know, goods and bads, you know, you get more My Magic Plus and you can get another fast pass to something. Yay. But um, you kind of miss out on the really interesting experiences and the immersive you find it yourself kind of thing where Sid Cuengo's is really something different, unique. It's a jewel that, that kind of sits there and you may not know about it unless you actually know about it. So I'm, so I'm sad to see it go. So I read a story recently about the Walt Disney Classics Collection, which is officially ending. There were these very special and keepsake-like uh, ceramic uh, figurines that had been created. After more than 20 years of wide appreciation by fans, the Walt Disney Classics Collection has come to a close. After longtime manufacturer Nesco parted ways with the line in the end of 2012, Precious Moments stepped in to take over the role. But following much negative feedback surrounding their take on the collectibles, the entire series has now been canceled. The Walt Disney's Classics Collection will be placed into the vault alongside other cherished Disney classics. Since July of 1992, Walt Disney Classic Collections have become highly collectible and initially available at retail at high price points due to their intricate hand-painted designs featuring favorite and memorable Disney characters from decades of film history. Inesco's designs were praised for their attention to detail, capturing the animated scenes accurately in figure form. But when a series of slides leaked online in March of 2013, fans of the line were in an uproar as it was clear that Precious Moments was putting their own touches on the figures, adding cutesy makeup, sparkly dresses, and otherwise off-model designs. Well, the much-anticipated Star Wars Episode Seven has been delayed until late 2015, um, but we do hear that George Lucas has been hired as a consultant, which is probably good news in a general sense because George has the knowledge in his head of what the Star Wars universe should be, so he should be able to help J.J. Abrams put it together. Now, to kind of make up for that, uh, Disney is working on uh, the Maleficent movie. It's almost completed, and Angelina Jolie uh, stars as Maleficent. And um, I've seen the preview that's been, that's been put out online, and I was like, wow, she's really good. That's a really good Maleficent character. If it gets into the backstory and really tells the story of Maleficent, I think it could be a really fun and entertaining film. So I look forward to seeing that. Um, in the early part of next year. In the meantime, Disney is also filming a movie called Tomorrowland, starring George Clooney. Now, the movie is primarily based around the 1964-65 World's Fair. That's a seminal moment in the uh, entirety of the Walt Disney Company. That's really when everything got started. And so they're filming most of the movie in uh, Vancouver, which I always find kind of funny. They're filming a movie about Disneyland in Vancouver. Um, but they filmed some scenes in Disneyland, and they actually went to the Carousel of Progress and a few other attractions at Walt Disney World. Since the Carousel of Progress was a featured attraction at the 1964-65 World's Fair, there's uh, a lot of interest in using that as a backdrop and going in and filming some scenes inside the attraction. Now, they've redone a little bit of the facade on the outside of the uh, uh, attraction to make it look like it originally did, so that way they could actually look at it and, uh, and see it from that perspective. So George Clooney was on site at uh, Walt Disney World. He wasn't seen by many guests. I think he was brought in through a back entrance, but uh, he was there filming some scenes. And uh, I think that's kind of cool. And that was one that I am really looking forward to because I, I think the story of the, um, of the World's Fair is really one of those things that's really interesting because it really defines what the Walt Disney Company became and how they became so popular. So I look forward to seeing that. And speaking of Disney movies, the movie Saving Mr. Banks comes out to theaters soon. That's the one with Tom Hanks in the starring role as Walt Disney during the filming of the Mary Poppins movie. Now, there's one interesting thing that comes out of this film. As you may or may not know, Walt Disney himself was a chain smoker. He was lighting up all the time. And that's primarily the reason that he passed on. He had a, a very uh, severe form of lung cancer caused by smoking. It's interesting to note that in this film, Tom Hanks is never shown lighting up. He's not shown holding a cigarette. He's not shown as smoking at all. 
In fact, the studio itself, Walt Disney Studios, has a rule, an in-house rule, that they do not allow smoking in any of their films. So there's no depiction of smoking. And while I think that's a really good thing, I think that sets a nice tone for the youth of today to not show smoking and glorify it in some way, in a weird way, it kind of doesn't fit because Walt Disney was a known chain smoker. I mean, everybody smoked. There was, there's an ashtray on his desk if you walk through the Hollywood studios and you go through Walt, uh, One Man's Vision, you'll see the ashtray there. I mean, clearly everyone was smoking. And to take that out of the film, I think, is kind of does a, a disservice to him to a degree. But I do get it. It's just an oddity and something unusual. And, you know, Bob Iger said we weren't going to allow for any smoking in it. We weren't going to make an exception because we don't allow for smoking in any of our films. And one other piece of news that I wanted to share with you, um, Disney announced that they're shuffling their interactive division. And uh, they've moved around some of the departments and changed some of the heads of the departments and changed some of their, their inner workings. And why this is interesting is because in light of My Magic Plus and Disney's Infinity, the, uh, the games that they offer online and so forth, I think Disney is kind of find itself, finding itself in a different place than it was, say, even five years ago when they had all of the uh, activities that were going on online and they couldn't quite find their way in terms of the technology. Now I think they've found a way that they think is going to work and they're putting all their eggs in that proverbial basket to work on Disney Infinity, the Disney Universe, and merging in all of the My Magic things so that you can create a more immersive experience and have people plan for trips and do those things. And I think that's signaling the beginning of that change and that shift in philosophy that Disney is really thinking about their interactive piece as being something completely different. Uh, than it was before. It's not about games. It's not about you know the Walt Disney World website. It's about something more. It's about this immersive experience. So I imagine that there'll be more uh, announcements coming, and you'll see more offerings from the uh, the uh, Disney Interactive Group or whatever they're going to be called now, as they start to roll out more of these things. So I'll be curious to see what they do with it. And one piece of sad news to report: Diane Disney Miller, she's the eldest daughter of Walt Disney himself passed away this week, and we're really saddened to hear about that. Uh, Miss Miller was the living legacy who kept uh, Walt's visions alive and helped keep Walt's in our thoughts. So we, um, we mourn her passing and uh, send our condolences to the Disney family. Well, that's it for this week. And remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. This is episode number 159. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. Now, please exit the moving podcast. The walkway is moving at the same speed as your podcast. Kindly take small children by the hand and watch your head and step. If you have questions, thoughts, or would just like to ask Dave a question, please send an email to davesdisneyview at gmail.com. You can always find Dave's Disney View on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Show notes for this podcast can be found on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. Original music you hear in this podcast is courtesy of Sound A Music. You'll find a link to the latest Disney-related autism awareness event on the show notes page. We also encourage you to check out Dave's iPhone apps. There are a couple of Disney-related apps, including a Hidden Mickey's app and a Pin Trading app. 